Hi, Joe Lysett here in Bridge End, and my favourite agricultural podcast is the Pub Yields podcast with Jacob and Di. All the other agricultural podcasts are a load of piss and shit. They're a load of piss and shit. How are we doing, Jake? Yeah, I'm doing all right, Di. Something looks a bit different about you, but I can't put my <laughs> finger on it. <laughs> yeah, the skates. I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. I, I, on a serious point, those things, mate. Yeah, it's been an ordeal, but we're through it now. Well, I say through it, we're near enough through it. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, it's given us a good excuse to not have been doing the podcast. That's all I know. Oh, I know, I know, but yeah. The main thing is, Di, in all seriousness, you're all right. Yeah, yeah. I suppose for those who are listening who don't know, I went and dropped a horse thumper on my hand. Um, and so I'm one finger down, but uh, it could have been a hell of a lot worse. Yeah, it, it could have been. It could have been a lot worse, Di. And I tell you what, all jokes aside, I know us boys have, you know, take, taken the piss out of you quite a lot. Um, and I know you've got to have a bit of a laugh. You know, we've had the classics. Fingers crossed you'll be okay, mate. Oh, no, that's Cheska's favourite finger. You know, we've had all of these jokes and everything. But in all seriousness, you did bloody scare us, boys. We were very concerned. And it is just good to see you, you know, back fit and healthy again. And dare I say it, doing a bit of work again. But it is nice to see you all looking good anyway now, mate. Yeah, yeah. I scared myself, to be fair. But... Uh... Like I say, it could have been a lot worse. I uh, spoke to someone up Royal Welsh and their next door neighbour came down on his forearm and now he, they're fighting to save his hand. So, yeah, it just makes it, it just highlights we work, use this kit and you don't quite realise how dangerous it is until something goes wrong. No, it does It does highlight it all, really, doesn't it? And we all get complacent, don't we? And I'm, I'm not saying you were complacent in that moment, Di, but it does, it's, it's very scary how easily something can happen and it does make you stop and think doesn't it because well I know certainly you, you scared the shit out of us boys and well I, I don't know it's just farm safety is well it's so important really isn't it like we shouldn't ne- ever ever get complacent in this game should we because something can change in an instant can't it yeah well uh I do feel a bit of a hypocrite. We've been on here every week spouting about farm safety and then all of a sudden I go and do something like that. But um yeah, it's 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 scary. I know I know you see an awful lot of stuff on it on social media, but I've been guilty of it. You almost look at it for a split second and then you don't change anything about how you go about doing things. I think it's not until I know my father said it's no good it's no good telling people they have to experience it for themselves. You know, so once you've had that scare yourself, but then <laughs> that's awful advice because it shouldn't have to come to that. No, it shouldn't. But unfortunately, we're in an industry where no matter how much something is drilled into you, we all work long hours under not great conditions with not great return currently in agriculture. So you've got the financial pressures of trying to cut corners as well. And everything sort of compiles on top of each other. So mistakes can happen easily. And a lot of it comes down to fatigue. A lot of it comes down to pressure. And we can harp on as much as we want that, you know, most important thing is our health. But in that instance, it's very difficult to remember these things, isn't it? But just seeing you by there, and I know us boys came and visited you in hospital, die, and you, you were there in a drip. It was just bloody scary and it, it shook us boys up and it shouldn't have really taken one of our close mates to have an accident to shake us up to actually think about things because you hear of all these stories, you read these stories in the Farmers Weekly and you think this stuff will never happen to you or happen to one of your friends, will it? But yeah, it's we've sort of all seen it up front now with you, Di, but yeah, well, it luckily. could have been a lot worse. Luckily, luckily it's just, I know well, probably the wrong terminology, but 
not luckily it's just a finger, but it could have been a hell of a lot worse because I did see the state on a couple of other fingers there as well. And yeah, it wasn't yeah. looking great. You will. I am very grateful. If it wasn't for the absolute geniuses during Morriston, it would have been worse. But um, you're on about um, the the constraints that are enforced on you. I, I can say firsthand, it was time constraints for me. Um, dairy farming is, I, I would argue, the worst of the lot for time constraints. So uh, I we probably, over the course of a couple of days, we probably knocked 400 posts in. And it was the 396th post. There were three posts left unknocked in when we did it. And what it is, is because you're constantly looking at the clock and especially in dairy farming, you know, you've got to be on for R4. For for. So you're like, oh, like, just get these few in now. Like, hurry up, let's knock these in, knock these in. And then all of a sudden, for trying to save 20 minutes, I lost three weeks of work. So, well, probably on the rest when you, because even when I went back to work, I was quite literally one-handed. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And you're right what you say about you never think it'll be you. Uh, when I was in Harper, we used to have an hour a week on health and safety and they'd show you these generic videos and you'd watch them and you'd just dismiss it like, oh, yeah, but look at him. There'd be someone walking across the roof and you'd be like, yeah, but who does that? And, oh, dismiss it. And then every now and then on the farm, I find myself doing something and I think, oh, no, hang on, I'm the idiot. Beer. I'm 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 bloody putting a ladder up yeah. out of a man cage or doing something ridiculous. So, yeah, you just need to. Yeah, well, I, I have been saying that where the finger was now i might put a little tattoo i don't know something like i might put the, the the two wellies of yellow wellies on it just as a for the rest of my life now i'll be like yeah that'll, that'll teach you slow you down hell of a reminder but there that you just said they're really in a nutshell time constraints banging a post in really quick but by cutting a corner you actually lost three weeks of work so yeah, in, exactly. in the long run in the long run not only is it not worth it for your health and the stress you put on everyone else, you're not saving time. You're not kidding anyone here. No. You're not kidding anyone. It's really, it's the classic, isn't it? The absolute classic of the tortoise and the hare, isn't it? Yeah. And I think sometimes we need to take that into consideration with farming, isn't it? Because we're all 100 miles an hour, but sometimes it's worth doing stuff slow and doing something right and safe because it's the end of the, the yeah. hair didn't win that race today. It's the same as anything. You haven't got to even that be, you only got to include a farm injury. Like, you know, you, you can make so many examples like, oh, the oil's a bit low, but don't worry, I got to get on, I got to get on. You go do it. And you think you've saved that 20 minute job of putting some oil in. And then bang, something goes wrong and you got, you're without a tractor for a couple of weeks. So it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely giving me something to think about. And uh, I've definitely changed my way. Well, I'd like to think I've changed my ways. Well, you've definitely shook us boys up anyway, so I'd like to think we've... Uh, we're well, all a little bit more aware to it, but anyway, well that, main, that, thing is, I, main thing is, die. you're all right. That makes me the guiltiest of the lot because you boys think you've changed your ways because I shook you up. One of my best mates had a life... Well, a far worse injury than I could ever dream about in, and it clearly didn't slow me down, so... Yeah, it's all very well. Uh, you don't know it until it happens. And, um, of course, that person, of course, is Ed Cordwell, who we will be reminiscing about today. Yeah, and uh, you just can't say enough good things about Ed, really. He's, he's an absolute weapon. And I think it's quite timely that this episode, this pint-sized episode, goes out now because... <sighs> Well, you could almost say it was scripted, Di. We were going to put him out and then you're going to have a bloody accident. So you could almost say it was scripted. But no, it, it definitely, I think this could potentially be, all right, it's only going to be a very, very short podcast, but this potentially is the most important podcast we've done, Di, I think, with the most important message. I know me and you are a pair of idiots and we like to laugh and joke. And we've even laughed at this now after the accident you've had in a you know lighthearted sort of way. But it's bloody serious. The end of the day is very, very serious. And the message of this to take home is serious. And I know we're not trying to be one of those serious ag podcasts because there's about 50 other ones of them about that you can go and listen to if you want serious week in, week out. But we would like people to actually take home the message from this episode. But what is, come on, and what is one of the funniest things that people have said to you, making a joke and trying to make a lighthearted of it? Oh, well, I've had them all. So like you say, um, Fingers crossed, everything goes well. Um, do you need a hand with that? Do you need the blah, 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 blah. 
I've had them all uh, quite often as well. What is even funnier than people making jokes is people not realizing what they're saying. Like for example, um, so I got rushed to pretend A and E, um, and then I needed to be taken to Morriston um, Hospital Plastic Surgery Ward. So I told my mother, and if you picture now, my hand, all the fingers are crushed, and my hand is just lying limp at the wrist like that, and the other hand has got a cannula in it. And uh, my mother, I, I just a text comes through on my phone. Text me when you're ready. I like, yeah, yeah, I'll text you. Yeah, no worries. But um, yeah, the, the best response, the best response I probably had was he's actually your driver at Royal Welsh, Jake. Um, uh, uh, Paul. Yeah, I said. Uh, he said, "Oh yeah, you know, on the hand, isn't it? Yeah, Jacob told me about you. Yeah, go. What, what happened then? I said, "Oh, you know, poor stumper, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. He's like, "Go. Oh, could have been worse, mind." I said, yeah, yeah, could have been my whole hand. He said, yeah, could have been even worse than that. I said, oh, could it? He said, yeah, it could have been my hand. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true enough. I'm trying, <laughs> I've had loads. Um, Jonathan, a friend of ours, he turned up the next day with a box of chocolate fingers for me. Um, every time I visit my uncles, they sing Goldfinger to me. Um yeah, uh, every time I pass my uncle in the tractor, he waves at me with three fingers like that. Yeah, I've had him on. And uh, I, tell, I, tell you I, I tell you what I did here the other day, Di. That did tickle me. I, I'm sure you've probably heard it as well. And I suppose it's more offensive to Cheska than it is to you, isn't it? But it was, uh, I always heard the northern girls have a growlers, but I didn't realize they bite as well. <laughs> Yeah, you say you hear this because I said it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's where I had it from then. <laughs> I knew I did it somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I said now I know why they call it a growler. Yeah, yeah. Oh, another good, another good one I heard was um, what happened then? You start biting your nail and couldn't just couldn't didn't know when to stop. Yeah. For those uninitiated, go back and listen to episode ten uh, for Ed Cordwell. This is a good friend of mine who whilst working in New Zealand had a life-threatening injury when he actually put an, a nine-inch angle grinder through his thigh, cutting the main artery to, into his leg. Um, incredibly hard job. The whole hour and a half is incredibly moving, motivating, because not only has Ed got an incredible story, but he is such an eloquent speaker that he tells it in such a, a beautiful way. So I was so moved by it. I might have even put a nice little bit of music over it here and there, but we'll see. We'll see. Ladies and gentlemen, this is quite nice. Sorry, Di, before you're saying Ed's an elegant speaker, do you know who he reminds me of? Someone came up on the news the other day. Ooh. Reminds me a bit of David Cameron and his mannerism, the way he talks. Yeah, yes. Tell you who he looks identical to is Eddie Redmayne. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was just it was just the voice and the way that David Cameron was talking. So I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but yeah, we've had you... worse prime ministers, haven't we? He's probably the best prime minister we've had. In the last eight, didn't <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's only three years ago. Um yeah, I absolutely agree. He's an incredible young man, and he'll be blushing to hear us say such nice things about him. So I feel like we should even it out and say that he is no, I can't even do it. I can't even think of anything about thing to say about him. So yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mr. Edward Cordwell's pint size pod. Kiwi Kit Roxanne are proud sponsors of the Pub Yields podcast, bringing New Zealand solutions to British farmers, fencing contractors and vets. As British weather starts to take a turn for the worst, why don't you try out our Kaiwaka clothing range, perfect for keeping you dry throughout those winter months. For more information, check out the link below or in the Pub Yield social media pages. When you were out in uh, Oz and New Zealand, what sort of farms did you work on? It's, it was, it, there's a big dairy thing out in NZ. They had like a dairy revolution. I think it was 1995 where the government subsidised people to go into dairy farming. So there's dairy farms all over the place. I mean, you can't, in Canterbury, you can't go five square miles without coming to another dairy farm. They are literally everywhere. Um, but of course, all the dairy farms do silage and therefore I was pretty much employed throughout that entire season to do silaging on triple mowers so it was all good and then you can go up to various places on like 
you can drive, you know, an hour north of Canterbury and just be in the fucking middle of nowhere, like absolute middle of nowhere. You get these sheep stations that are, you know, how many thousands of acres, 5,000 acres. And they're, you know, the mentally mental terrain, just just incredible places that you can go to. You can go to all sorts of different farms, you know what I mean? Um, and then, yeah, you can go to somewhere like Aussie when it's just, you know, 250,000 acres, just fucking mental. Half a ton an acre. Yeah, exactly. Fuck all. Fuck all. Uh, I wouldn't do that though. I, I couldn't. I couldn't live out in Aussie like that though. Because if you did want to go to the pub, fine, you can go to the pub, but it's a fucking hour drive away. Yeah. And then you're just the isolation of it all is quite. It's pretty overwhelming at times. There was two young lads who came from Norfolk who I didn't know, um, and they one of them lasted three days, and the other one lasted I think maybe seven or eight days. And it, it's not the homesickness, it's just the isolation of not seeing anyone. It's just mm. the, like the isolation of you driving a dig or whatever up some, you know, and there's just nothing. There's just nothing there. It's just quite a, it's quite an overwhelming thing at times. And Rob, the, the boss, he says it happens more often than you might think. It's not the homesickness, it's just the isolation of all. He reckons about 15% of the people that he employs, especially coming from other countries, don't make it through the season just because it's that just that overwhelming isolation feeling. So when you went out to New Zealand then, Ed, would you say that was where you spent your longest period of time overseas? Yes, I, I, I probably spent the largest amount of time uh, in New Zealand. I spent, I think it was about three and a half months uh, working in New Zealand. And then unfortunately I was involved in a, uh, a farm accident, which uh, wandered me up in hospital for a further two months. So yeah, I think by the time I was uh, came back to the UK, it was probably about five and a half to six months uh, in, in New Zealand, which obviously is uh, longer than I thought it would be. Um, I was working a farm um, probably about 50 minutes outside of Ashburton in the South Island uh, in, in Canterbury. And uh, yeah, I was involved in a farm accident now there. I was uh, basically angle grinding. My, my boss used to import um, containers from UK for whatever reason. It's cheaper to buy uh, machinery in the UK and have it imported to uh, New Zealand. And I was angle grinding these sort of frames that came with them. And uh, it's probably, probably about midday, one o'clock. And I was sort of underneath this frame with a sort of an angle grinder a little bit out in front of me so it was a little bit difficult to control and it just caught an edge it just caught an edge and it, it flipped up and it happened in you know half a second and it flipped up about a foot to my left hand side which just happened to be where my left leg was and I cut through um, my femoral artery which is basically the artery that one the sort of main vessel that runs um, down the inside of, of, of your left left leg. So um, very, very fortunately, I uh, had my phone in my pocket. I was just wearing it as a hot you know, summer's day in New Zealand just after harvest. And uh, luckily I had my phone in my pocket. I was able to pick up my phone and call my boss's wife, who was uh, my boss even, who was in the combine down the road. And he called his wife and his wife came out to me and then and, and found me in a, you know, a hell of a state, really. The first thing I remember is just... Um, just just looking down and just seeing, you know, unfortunately before, before in the, in the past, I've had too much to drink and I pissed myself, <laughs> you know, it, it's happened before, you know, it's happened. And I just remember, uh, I just remember the same sort of feeling coming around with just looking down and just being this hot liquid, just really just pouring out of my leg. I mean, it was, um, it was arterial. So it was bright red and it was just flying out of my leg that day. I think I lost around two to two and a half pints of blood. To put that into perspective, I think you have around six and a half. There's about a third of the blood uh, in my body. Uh, you know, it was all over the ground and it was very unpleasant. And my boss's wife came out. Um, by this point, I, I wasn't very well, to say the least. I was, I was, I was there, but I, I wasn't there as well. You know, I struggled with my consciousness and my breathing was was very, very difficult. She took off her belt and uh, tourniqueted my leg, and that stopped the bleeding for at least the worst of the bleeding for a little while after that you know I, I don't really remember a huge amount I don't remember the air ambulance arriving I don't remember the um, emergency theater I don't remember I only found out you know probably about a month later that I was resuscitated once uh, in the air ambulance on the way to Christchurch hospital and I was resuscitated for a second time in theater in emergency theater to save my life uh, and you know I, I woke up um six days later after being put in a, uh, a medically induced coma 
um, with sort of nurses all around me and, and whatnot. And uh, it's difficult to explain. You're, you're very, very groggy. Um, I wasn't strong enough to open my eyes or, or move or lift my limbs, but I could hear what was going on uh, around me. You know, the, the effect of the um, medication that they put you on is uh, is quite long lasting. It lasted for probably three or four months afterwards where I'd wake up in the mornings and I'd be fairly all right. I'd just be utterly exhausted by by midday. I didn't have to sleep three hours and I could wake up and, and, and go for a little bit longer. But yeah, I had six surgeries, um, two of which were emergency surgeries to save my life. I had a triple fasciotomy. I had a vein graft and a skin graft, blood transfusions and pretty much you name it, I've, I've pretty much have it. And I basically spent the next two months in, in, in Christchurch General Hospital learning how to walk again. So, you know, the, the one that bothered me the most, I think, was the stress that I put my parents under. You know, they, they both had phone calls. My father, at, uh, well, my father uh, was called about three o'clock in the morning from my boss who managed to get hold of my phone. And, uh, you know, of course, didn't want to pick up the phone at three o'clock in the morning. So uh, just hung up again. He kept on, he kept on trying and eventually my, my dad picked up and uh, it's a difficult phone call. You know, uh, the surgeon's job is to effectively say worst case scenario. So they said, look, he, he could come out all right, but he could lose the leg. He could not make it through, uh, you know, emergency theatre uh, if he does come out the other end due to the blood loss and the starvation of oxygen from the brain, he, he could well have brain damage. And for whatever reason, I didn't come out with any of those things. I just happened to be incredibly, incredibly fortunate. Um, certainly if it wasn't for my boss and my boss's wife and the first aider that turned up and seen, I, cer I certainly wouldn't be speaking to you guys today. So yeah, you know, it was uh, just, just a incredibly diff difficult, incredibly difficult three months really I spent in hospital in, you know, as you can imagine, you just just a lot of pain and I didn't sleep and your body sort of wastes away, really. And, and at my least, I think I weighed about 49 kg, which is just I was like Voldemort before they put him in the pot, you know, before he got his own body. I was like just skin and bones before they before they dropped him in there. But I think what um, when, I, when I was out there, um, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the Christchurch terror attack happened. So um, I think it was uh, what was it? Um, March time, March time um, in, in that year, something along those lines. And a chap walk, walked, it's just really awful. A chap walked into a mosque and, and, and with an automatic rifle and killed 52 people that day. And I was in hospital in Christchurch. So I was one of the first to know about it. And my mum was there as well uh, in Christchurch. So I, I, you know, I called her and said, wherever you are, just, just go home or whatever. Um, you know, there are armed people walking around the hospital and whatnot. And that evening, there was a chap in the bed next to me who was um, recovering from a bullet wound. Um, his friend was shot and killed and fell on top of him. And the only reason he survived because the gunman thought he was dead. And I was listening to this and I was thinking, well, you know, this is awful, you know, a lot of pain and and all this all this sort of thing. But I am still here. You know, I'm still around. I still have the opportunity to get better. I still have the opportunity to spend time with with my family. And it was all very raw at, at, at that point. And my mum was in the bed uh, in in the um, in the bed next to me. And um, you know, you, you, I still had the opportunity to get better. And it was that that changed my mindset. Really, and the fact is, um, what really made a lot of sense with me was okay. So now you've got through this. Now that you're still here, what are you going to do with it? And it was, it was a very simple question, really. It was a very simple question of, okay, you, you can walk. You don't have brain damage. You have all these things going for you in life. Your parents are here supporting you. Simple question. Now, what are you going to do with it? And it the, the logical answer was, I'm going to get better and I'm going to go home and carry on with the rest of my life. I mean, people, people can get caught up sometimes in this idea of, if it's worth having, then it's going to be really difficult to fight for it. If you want to do something, you're going to have to suffer, suffer first. Anything worth getting in life, you're going to have to struggle to get it. If you're going to struggle to get it, then it's worth having. So, you know, it taught me quite a lot about myself and how my mind worked in such circumstances. And it gave me a few philosophies later in life. So there are, um, there are silver linings to it. But, you know, of course, a very difficult time. Um, especially psychologically what I put my family through was 
a, a big regret of mine and, and still is really, but luckily I've, I've come off of it with really nothing at all. Some people say I have brain damage, especially when I do something stupid on the farm. Paul tends to, Paul tends to, my dad tends to uh, blame it on that, you know, and I, I milked it a little bit for a while as well. You know, I can't empty the dishwasher, my legs hurting, whatever, but uh <laughs> But yeah, other than that, it really hasn't affected me affected me at all. I mean, um, yeah, physically, I'm, I'm as probably as fit as I've ever been. Um, I have a lot of scars on my legs, but obviously, if I'm wearing jeans, you can't see through that at all. Um, and then I, I have a I lost one muscle that was paralysed in my lower leg that helps you sort of walk. So my heel to toe action of my left leg is a little bit poor. But if I wear um, like hard bottom soles, it, it doesn't affect me at all, really. So uh, I was just incredibly lucky to come off it out of it the way that I did. You know, it comes to that point where um, it's a very strange day. It was a very strange day when I saw it all for the first time because they take you into this. Um, it's not very pleasant, really, but they take you into this room um, and it's really all designed just to make you relax. So there's music on in the background and the blinds are closed and there's a nice warm light, you know, in the inside. And you have a little bit of uh, laughing gas or whatever, you know, not just just to take the edge off to calm you down. And they say, OK, Ed, we're, we're going to take off your dressings now. Uh, they continue to do that. And, you know, I saw what was underneath the bandages for the first, first time. And it, your brain takes a second. Your brain takes a second to catch up with how you look now. I mean, you're still you, but you don't look the same that you did before, you know. Uh, particularly weirdly, I, I had a skin graft that moved, a, you know, basically a square foot of the skin from my right leg to my left leg. And there was a freckle that was on my right leg, which is now on my left leg, which is kind of weird. Um, but it, it takes it takes a moment for your brain just to catch up with how you look now and especially in the early days I mean it's um, yeah it, it's raw it's, it's it's bloody and it's unpleasant but uh, the scars heal and now they are you know they're pretty prominent but uh, they don't particularly bother me anymore you know if I can in some way I, I made my mind up about this quite early on if if in some way I can take this you know, incredibly negative experience, this, this really dark time and somehow twist and contort it in, in, into something good, into something, a, a positive message for others, or even just a thought, a five second thought before they pick up a power tool or whatever. If, if I'm somehow able to turn this negative thing into a positive, then in a way I'll beaten it. You know, I can, I've been able to do that. And for me, that is the very definition of being better. If I, if I was able to somehow do that. So if, if, if those young folks in your farmers, young farmers club came back and said, listen, that was worth doing then, then, then perfect. That's, that's all I can ever ask for. That's, that's where you dropped your trousers for our, our members. Mate, that, I don't, I'm not, I still to this day, I'm not quite sure how that happened. I just remember being at the front with the projector behind me of some horrific scars and uh, just my, my trousers around my ankles and some 14 year old kid with his mouth on the floor uh, at uh, at the very front there, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but it did. Yeah, uh, no, I uh, I was saying to Di as soon as you left that night, I said, Di, bloody hell, he's got a really good story to tell. I thought, you know, not only were the 14, 15 year old girls all drooling because they found you fit, but genuinely, mate, you could have heard a pin drop that night. Your story, I think it really sank in with a lot of people. And I, for one, you know, I was. 26 at a time, you know, I'm getting on a bit now, 27 now. But the one thing I took from that meeting, and every single day since, I've always made sure I've done it, I always have my phone on me. That's something where you banged home that night. Just get out of a tractor. You leave your phone, don't you, usually, in the little cup holder on your left-hand mm. side. You get out, you put a machine on, you plug the PTO in. Well, you, you shouldn't, since that talk, whenever I get out of that tractor cab, I always make sure I take the phone with me. And I know it sounds silly, but like you said, a split second is all it takes. A split um, second. And, you know, I, I, I didn't th I didn't think of you never think it'll be you. Of course, you never think it'll be you. But, uh, you know, I like to think that I'm you know, relatively sensible on the farm. But for whatever reason, in, in that particular second, I just didn't think about it. And you can't think about it all the time. I mean, it's an impossible thing to have in the back of your mind all the time. And I'm still guilty of it. If I see a job that needs doing, I think, oh, I can do it this way. I don't ever think about myself, which yeah. you might be, uh, I'm sure is a great fault in the way that I do things. Me, of all people, after everything I experience, I still cut corners sometimes. Um, I, it doesn't make a lot of sense in my mind. So I can only imagine 
what it what it's like for people who don't have my experience you know especially young people who, who feel like they they could be um you know indestructible it's just a recipe for disaster um and the one message that i did sort of impress to your folks was it's very simple it, it, it probably almost doesn't need to be said but nothing that you do on the farm um no matter what job it is no matter what pressure you're under no matter if, if the combines stood next to you no matter what you do it's not worth your life it's just not. Uh, I, you know, when we think about those things, we think about ourselves. It's difficult. It's, it's much more helpful for me if I think about my family, you know. Uh, I also don't think about my personal safety, but what stops me is, okay, well, look what you've already done. Put your family through yourself. Um, and, you know, a huge amount of, you know, counselling and stress and on all these unpleasant nights, you know, you, you do it for them at the end of the day. So it's, it's just not worth taking the risk. You have to be able to stop for five seconds and, and, and think about what you're about to do before you do it. Yeah, definitely. Don't, don't be safe just for yourself, but make sure you're safe for your family. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, that's, 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 that's what you do it for. Yeah, absolutely. There's one thing I've got on my mind and there's one question I really want to ask you. I hope it's not too personal, but I'm sure the, you know, all the listeners out there, the millions of listeners are probably wondering the same thing. Your old boy still there? Well, listen, for, for all the ladies out there, it's still functional. You know, it still does the business. I, I still, I still feel like I was shortchanged in that department from birth, but you know, I, I'm trying to work with, uh, with work with what I got. There so, was a, um, there was a there was a there was a moment when I came to speak at your young farmers club and there was a young lad in the front row who I don't know I, you know there was no no filter on I mean he did ask he did ask at one point I mean did you did you cut off old mate and I was like well listen I no I didn't cut off old mate I, I'd say I had no choice but to say luckily I've got a tiny penis so, uh, <laughs> it's like, I, no, I never thought those words would come out of my mouth mate. but you know luckily it was uh, you know little Ed was well tucked into a uh, into a boxer short thankfully that day and uh, yeah I am now circumcised so that's no bad thing but uh, <laughs> so, it, it, obviously it was a difficult time but there was um you know there were there were all right times about it there was a particular nurse a female nurse who, who came in every morning and uh, said hey ed how you doing i said all right how's it going and whatnot and she was very kind and, and she came in and i sort of embarrassed myself about halfway through <laughs> <laughs> oh, well i shouldn't tell this one but anyway i woke up in the in the middle of the night and uh, when you're sort of limping around it's pretty embarrassing i had like a zip had a Zimmer frame, so I sort of swung my leg out and uh, I sort of hobbled sort of my little Zimmer frame towards the loo. And, you know, I had a, uh, had a catheter in as well. This is the pipe right up Main Street for about two months, and that was highly <laughs> uncomfortable. So, um, yeah, I, I sort of hobbled myself to the loo, and it was like a hot New Zealand summer, and there was a fan on in the, uh, in the corridor. And so it was a nice sort of breeze, um, you know, in your face as you're going down the corridor but when I, I did my business and I, I came back and um, the fan was on quite strong and it blew open my gown from the back <laughs> so imagine picture this right I've got a Zimmer frame I've got a tube coming out of my knob with a bag of piss hooked onto the Zimmer frame and my <laughs> gown is over the front of my face now I got myself into a bit of a predicament here because I can't flick my gown down because if I, if I let go of the Zimmer frame, I'll just, fall, I'll just fall over. So I had to sort of flick it, I was sort of flicking it down with my head and I thought, oh, well, I, I can't do anything. I can't see where I'm going. So bless her, this girl, I had to call, I had to call this girl to um, come and give me a hand who was really attractive at the time. And she, I was like, oh God. She was, like, she was like, do you want a hand? I was like, yeah, I've got myself into a little bit of predicament here. So she sort of put my, my gown down completely buck-ass naked she sort of sorted out the catheter because it got wrapped around my brakes and she sort of put the gown down back over my head again and sort of retied it at the back and she wasn't quite sure of my name I think and um I sort of said to her oh um what's your name she said oh my name's Helen she said oh, I said uh, she's asked me what my name was I said my name's Ed and she said um oh what's uh, what's that short for I looked down at my knob and said oh it's always been like that <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not, not a not not a complete loss. Not Ed, a complete loss. Ed, we have a lot of listeners in New Zealand, so I would just like to say, if there is a Helen listening, <laughs> who happens to be a nurse, in nurse, yeah, uh, shout get, out, get in touch with the pod, and uh, we'll exchange details. 
Yeah, and also the the only reason that I had my phone on me that day um, in in my shorts is because I was messaging messaging this bird off Tinder. You know, listen, I was I was, in, I was in another country. I was feeling a bit lonely, so uh, yeah, shout out to um, uh, Amy twenty one from Christchurch. Tinder basically saved your life. Mate, Tinder saved my life. I bet Amy was filming though. The chat was going great. And then all of a sudden, for some reason, you didn't speak to her for three months. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, wasn't, <laughs> I was in a coma for a while. So I've got a, I've got a, I've got a reasonable excuse not to get back to her there. Right? Yeah, yeah, your, excuses, your excuses don't match up to that, though. <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether you remember, Ed, but... Um, we used to do an hour a week in Harper of lectures on health and safety. And like, I remember, you know, you're a bunch of lads in a classroom. We used to watch these videos and we'd be like, oh, but who would do that? It'd be like someone walking across, walking across the, the roofing sheets of a shed. We'd be like, who would do that? Oh, this is, why are we watching this? He's asking for trouble. But like every now and then I'll find myself doing something. And I'll stop and go, I'm that guy now. It's too easy to cut corners, though. And like yeah. you say, we do stuff because we think, oh, we'll do that. I'll make the job a lot quicker. Oh, I'm supposed to be going out the, you know, half seven with the boys down the pub. Bloody hell, it's seven o'clock now and I still got X, Y, and Z to finish off before I can yeah. get there. And like you say, we all will, we'll all cut corners. And I think it's just human nature to try and do something that we think is easier, which is less effort a lot of the time, isn't it? But And let's face not- it, I think a big part of it as well, without getting too political, is that, the farming industry has been so hammered down to the point where people feel they have to cut corners just to make a living. The profitability in it doesn't allow the luxury to, you know, take time and think for a lot of people, but it's not, it, it's up to people like Ed, I think, to share their message, to real, to make people realize, like you said, Ed, no profitability is worth more than your life. I agree with you, Ed, when you came and gave our story and people would have just heard and listened to this now, yeah, you, sh- you should be going around young farmers clubs, not just, you know, not just our, but you should be going around young farmers clubs across the country, really relaying that story because you're like the same age as a lot of members as well. And a lot of people can relate to you and your story as well. There's a lot of people when they finish university, go and do what you did out in New Zealand. And, you know, I, I just think that you, they, you should be doing a lot more and just spreading this message really, because people will listen when it comes from someone like yourself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I got in touch with uh, um, Russell Russell uh, Redmond, who's the, the sort of head, head of agriculture at Harper, and said, "Look, I'd, I'd like to come back and talk," and and that's what the plan was. But then, obviously, uh, certain situations, recent things went down, and I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to say it, mate. I was trying not to say it. I, di- I didn't want that forfeit, but uh, yeah, no, unfortunately, that that didn't work out in the end. But certainly, uh, you know, is if anyone wants to get in contact, um, just let me know. You know. I'm really, really happy to come. It's something I'm passionate about is farm safety, especially after my experiences. And uh, if anyone wants to get in contact and, and want me to come anywhere, happy to travel. Um, yeah, just uh, just let me know because it'd be my pleasure to speak. Well, we can see you're so passionate about Ed and I really do hope that someone is listening to this pod and list, listen to your story because, well, they'd be silly not to use you to try and you know keep others safe, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. I said uh, I think it's important, and if we can just start an open discussion, I think that can uh, that can go you know a long way. So yeah, as I said, if there's anyone out there, feel free to to, to reach out. I'd like to hear from you. Because you you did touch on it. I don't know whether you want to speak about it a bit further, but I I can just imagine what it must have been like just lying in a hospital bed for days slash weeks on end, uh, just with your own thoughts. I I can't even imagine what sort of toil that takes on a human mind. Yeah, of course. I mean, naturally, it it, it takes um, you start to understand um, that your mind isn't always on your side, which is a, a weird thing to say, really. But it's certainly one thing I learned from my experience. And the, probably the thing that I struggled with the most was um, was the rabbit hole. You know, I sort of call it the rabbit hole that my mind goes down sometimes. I mean, of course, in hospital, you, you can't help it. It's your best and worst enemy, best because they're there to help you. I mean, that is what they do. They, 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 they look after you in, in, in your time of need and they deserve a huge amount of praise for that. But also whilst they're doing that, uh, you have nothing but time. You have nothing but time to reflect and contemplate in, on, on what's happened and the mistakes that you've made. The difficulty is with that, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble um, 
reflecting on on what's happened you know what could what i've done what could i've done differently and so on and uh you know the rabbit hole that i talk about is um the one that bothers me the most i think is you know what what if is is, is sort of the what ifs in, in inverted commas you know what if i'd lost a leg what if i had come away with brain damage i mean ultimately the one that doesn't bother me too much if what if i wouldn't have come through it at all <laughs> the good thing about that is is uh is you know you, you're not around to, to to suffer further but the, the what ifs can get you i think sometimes i mean i can be lying in bed at night and just get a shot of pain up my leg and it can send me down that rabbit hole or i can wake up in the morning and just get a, a glimpse of my scars you know in the mirror or whatever and it can send you down there and i've gotten relatively good at pulling myself out but sometimes you know you just can't help it your mind sort of spins down these these challenging um things and uh you know sometimes your mind isn't always with you it can be against you which is a difficult thing i mean for whatever reason it's, it's very very apparent that women are a lot better about talking about how they feel and how they think than men are I'd be curious to get your guys opinions of of why you think that is there seems to be this um sort of admittance of weakness if if there's ever an issue within within agriculture especially regarding male farmers i don't know what you guys think about that i think you've just hit the nail on the head there it's because it almost seems like a like a weakness really you just having a chat with the boys and hearing that they have problems as well and it's not just it's not just me for example that always makes me feel a lot better and i think i'm quite lucky that i've got a good open group of friends that they're honest not everything with them is like just to just to mention the podcast name tightly it's not all just pub deals with them they'll be quite honest as well i think we're certainly getting better at it i mean you know the campaigns on social media and on and on all these different platforms i think we're definitely getting better about men's mental health but i still think that there's there's a long way to go i mean just at a like a logical reason a fundamental reason if there was an issue for example with one of your lambs or if there was an issue with a, a piece of machinery on on our farm for example the very first thing that i would do is i would identify that problem and then i take it into the workshop to be fixed because if it wasn't fixed i simply would know that if i kept on thrashing if i kept on working through it it would get it would get worse it, it would eventually break i mean ultimately you can't keep on putting resistance to something you can't keep on putting stress to something that is already broken because it will just fall to pieces david please speak <laughs> no I, I think i think it's a very good point i got well two little points i got to make first point i said i think it's very good comparison you made in terms of having like fixing an everyday object in terms of your mental health like if you if if, if you were working with someone who has a bad leg you will slowly see them get worse and worse. There'll be a limp one day and slowly they, they walk will, and then you, you slowly see them degenerate. But sometimes like you have absolutely no idea it's happening. And before you know it, they've done something silly. Um, that, that's the first point I make. But the second point I make is like Jake is just adding on to what Jacob said about how, you know, we are, we are very fortunate that we are surrounded by very good blokes. I, and I feel for anyone who doesn't feel in the same situation that they've got those. And I'll just, I'll just give an example. I'll even give him a shout out. Mr. Uh, he'll, I, I haven't said this to him and I haven't said it to anyone other than you boys. Uh, boy, Andrew Whitlow, you both know him. Right. Excellent gentleman as well. Excellent gentleman. One of the I, very best. I, remember I had to have my phone go in to be fixed for like a week. Remember that? I mentioned it on a podcast. So basically, while the phone was in being fixed, um, he was sending me texts and whatever like he normally does. And I obviously I wasn't replying because because um, my phone was in. And uh, when I finally got my phone back, I had four missed calls off him. So I, I just rung him and like you know he was in for like three days. Uh, four missed calls. I was like, oh shit, what's happened? So I rung him, and he when I he answered, he said, "Mate, I was just checking up on you because it's not like you not to reply to my texts." And I, yeah. I thought I thought <laughs> fuck me, friend. fuck me, what a bloke to to have to have taken time out of his day to think right, die isn't being himself. Let's check in on him. I thought, what a bloke, you know. And that's and that's why that's why you and and, and all of us are so fortunate because the, the sad reality is that not everyone has someone like that who 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 they're close to or who are in a good friendship group with. I mean, especially especially in farming, it can be very isolated times, especially in in lockdown. You know, I remember Iona saying, I think was it the first first podcast that Iona was on. 
Second, I think. Second, she she was referenced a young man who was struggling with his mental health and said, just listen to you guys on uh, on the podcast, helped him in some way. You know, something like that just makes it all worthwhile. So kudos to, to you guys for um, for being there for folks who might not even uh, know that they need to be uh, they need to be um, looked after. Cords, don't you dare! Don't you dare! You don't you dare tell your story, tell your story, and then try and make us the heroes, mate. You are a <laughs> fucking hero. I think one of the things, one of the things certainly I learn, and it's a bit niche because it's it is it does evolve around the traveling a little bit. I mean, you go to these places sometimes, you know, there's the Southeast Asia, and you you see poverty. I mean, like true poverty in the in the truest sense of the word. You see the people who wake up in the morning, who try to feed themselves, and then they try to sell a bracelet or whatever to a tourist like me, so they can feed themselves in the evening. And you do see the people who have given up because. The, the cutthroat nature of it is if you have a little bit of money, it's not that hard to get some more. But if you have zero money, if you have a net value of zero, you can't even afford to start playing the game. And you see the people who know that they're in poverty and who know that they'll probably never never get out. And that's a really, really harsh reality. And I think what I'm trying to get around to there is it's just luck, really. Uh, I, I haven't done anything to have a farm waiting for me back home. I haven't done anything to, you know, still be here after my accident. I don't haven't earned anything to have good friends or be able to sit down and have a, a pint and chat to you guys. I just got lucky. That's it. I, I'm done. Don't, don't don't get me wrong. I work hard to maintain what I have and and work towards the future, but. I haven't done anything to earn it. I haven't done anything to deserve what I have. I just got lucky. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I tried to, um, I tried to get better in New Zealand because some people, they don't even have the opportunity to, to, to make a future for themselves. And I do. So it'd be a real kick in the teeth for those guys, for the people who, who can't even afford to start to play the game. Fuck me. I would go, I, I would go to war for you. He always does this as well, Jay. He always he always comes out with like a sentence that I would do this for you. I would walk five thousand. I don't like it. It makes me sweaty. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Like I don't know how to put into words how much fucking respect I have for you. I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't do well. I don't do well taking compliments. So they make me feel. They make me feel uncomfortable. Oh, fine. Then, fine. Fine. Then you're. A c- when people are roasting me i feel like yeah we're mates but when people are going like hey yeah that's that's good that's something i feel that's another point i'd like to bring up right um obviously you went through this you know life altering experience and then you came home to us and like for a long time i was sort of i, I was trying to get my head around like how do we deal with like how do we deal with this now because you know but i think the best thing we did was treat you no differently if you if you know what i mean because to treat you differently would make you feel like but well again i'm I'm, I'm failing for words but you made it so easy ed and i'll give a little story as to why uh um i brought took some mates of mine from home up to um uh, Shropshire Chairman's and you would be messaging me. We were pre-drinking in the car park and you'd message me and said, oh, I'm you. Uh, whereabouts are you? Not long after your accident. And uh, I said, oh, you explain where we were. And I, you said, oh, I, I, I'll come over now. We're like, oh, fucking hell. Cause is coming. Right up, right up. So I said to my mates from back home, I was like, right, Ed has been through an insane... This is before you did the talk, by the way. He's been through something like crazy. Don't fucking mention it. Don't bring it up. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know how he's feeling about it. I don't like. Don't fucking bring it up, right? Right. Oh, right. Oh, you came over. You you know. You introduced yourself. Blah blah blah. I turned around to deal with something. I turned back around to you. You had your trousers around your ankles, showing your scars off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember hearing this story. I didn't go. Shops and chairmans. Was this when Bungalow said? Did you tell him you were bitten by a shark or something? Because he told me you were speaking. I think he was bitten by a shark surfing in Australia. Hey, mate, I, I found out that uh, especially with the ladies, they like to, they like a scar. Do you know what I mean? But the problem is you can't say to them. Uh, you can't say to them. Listen, I can't fucking use angle grinders for my life. I can't. I can't use power tools. Instead, you say to them, Yeah, you know, I was 
trekking through the Himalayas and there was this bear coming at me. So I punched it in the face, but unfortunately it managed to scratch me up a little bit or, you know, I was surfing in Bali and had a shark attack, something cool, you know, uh, you know, they, they tend to, they tend to lap that up, but um, you know, it's uh, yeah. So I, did, I have really no issue with showing the scars at all, but uh, so sometimes, sometimes they surprise me. Oh, chords. I fucking love you. That's been brilliant. Cheers, fellas. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate it. Please oh, edit, edit, this, edit this sympathetically, David. It's going to be about 10 minutes of your accident and 50 minutes of uh, Big Cocks in uh, Bangkok. I can't believe this. I can't believe it. <laughs> oh, I love you dearly, but you challenge me sometimes. Honestly. <laughs> Do you know what I take from this? Thank God for Tinder. And get me to Cambodia. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you guys listening at home loved that as much as I did. Um, remember to like, subscribe, leave a review. Make sure you give Ed Cordwell all the love he deserves. Um, follow us on Instagram. It's at Pubios Podcast. And Edward's personal Instagram is? At Ed Cordwell. Go for it. That's original. Uh... <laughs> Simple, easy to remember. All right. Just like you. Cords, I love you. Jake, I like you. <laughs> this partnership over if you're gonna be like that. <laughs> yeah. You boys, you boys are doing an excellent job on the pod as well. Keep doing what you're doing. Many, many more to come. Dizzy heights await. Good stuff. It's a goodbye from me. Yeah, and it's goodbye from me and thank you very much, Ed. <laughs> Good job, boys. Thanks for that. Bye. Some of that money too, but listen, oh that ain't all, that ain't all Sam will do for you. All you gotta do is bring it to me, bring that good loving baby, bring it on home to me. I gotta tell you this, cause this is important, listen to this.